0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hello, how are you?
1: I'm good. I love that you can see this little face talking whenever you talk. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, isn't it? It is creepy, but like in the best way.
0: (laughs) So um, stereo is pretty cool. It's like a newer thing. So what I like to do with it, like I'll cut it for the show. So don't worry about like thing fancy right now. I mean, we'll invite people. I don't have like a lot of followers on here. I have a cat and a baby
1: in my bed. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of best case scenario in life, right? (laughs)
0: Yes. So this is like one of the first shows I've done where I don't have my husband or my oldest daughter here to take care of anybody. So I'm just like hoping it goes really well. I, think I believe crying. in you well
1: it's honestly a good uh it's a good topic subject matter if you're going to be interrupted by your cat
0: or your baby <laughs> yes we may have crying or whatever but anyways i can um any any anything out so we are good to go she seems to be sleeping um she ate and the cat is in heat but that's okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's hilarious. So does she like make those really weird noises that cats make? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like they make some weird noises when they're like sexual.
0: She definitely is. She's she's kind of a whore right now, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Can relate. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, how old so, is your daughter now? So, well, I have two older daughters and then my first, my uh, third born, my youngest is seven weeks old right now.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. You just had her. I feel like it, I don't know why yeah. my brain it had been a little longer, but wow. Seven weeks. That's, yeah. You're well, even doing a was, thing?
0: She was late <laughs> in coming. Like, um, oh, so okay. yeah. You were expecting her sooner? Much sooner. So we ended up. <laughs> And ended up having her in a hospital, which was not the plan, but uh, she just wouldn't come out. (laughs) You know, that some babies are stubborn. Yes, but um, she's a pretty good baby. um, So she is sleeping right now. Um, So I'll definitely like edit this or whatever. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with stereo app. It's kind of cool
1: i'm i've been looking around on it for the past couple of days since you told me about it because i'm like this is interesting what are the what does this do and then it was cool because it's like people can send you cheers it almost reminds me of like the live function of facebook but without video which is cool because now i can just be topless and no one knows yeah
0: yes well that's honestly i'm like you know what i'm gonna look like garbage tonight but i can talk
1: (laughs) (laughs) my mouth still works
0: yeah so we'll do that and then i'll just cut it for gingerarchy but um so I'm going to do this weird intro thing. I'm going to start recording here in a minute and then um, mm-hmm. we'll go from there and I'll just ask you questions like it's super, I'm super chill, but I'm really excited about like asking you questions because either t- these are topics that I'm like really interested in. So I'm going to start recording oh, okay. in in a second and I'll do something weird and then we'll go from there.
1: Okay. I'm totally down with weird. I'm in from here okay. for it.
0: Okay. okay. I'm going to start now. Hello, hello, my lovelies. Welcome to another episode of Gingerarchy. Um, You can follow me, uh, Trisha Stewart Mann, on most social media sites. And you can go to We Are Libertarians and find my show there. Tonight, I have a very, very cool guest. Her name is Brittany Gold, and I would consider her a um, peaceful parenting expert and somebody that uh, has a a super cool corner in the... um, Voluntaryist market of child rearing so welcome Brittany hi I'm so excited hi hello yes so um I know that you're an anarchist and we uh this channel has some people that are unfamiliar with what that is and it might be a little scary to them so tell me a little bit about how you came to be an anarchist like what your journey was to liberty
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I love telling this story, because it's so interesting, right? So I was like, very political. And I feel like you and I, uh, we uh, identify similarly, because I actually listened to a show of yours recently, where you were talking about how you worshipped Rush Limbaugh at some point, which I find to be hilarious. For (laughs) me, it was Glenn Beck. For me, it was Glenn Beck. But yeah, I know, it's really embarrassing now. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, like growing up, I would, like grew up in like a military family, so it was very like pro cop, pro gun, like very, very militantly conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were the only political people. So it was like, uh, I guess if I'm gonna care about politics, I'll be a uh, Republican. And then I did that deconstructing thing that like young adults do where they're like, wow, my parents were wrong about everything. I am a communist. Like, I don't even, I won't feel like I ever (laughs) was a complete communist, but I definitely was like, wow, like we should care about people. And like, what about the roads? You know, like I went into that whole, like, why do we not, like, why are we just caring about rich people? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, we're so poor. Like, why are we propping this up? And then I was like, wait. Yeah, I guess this road does lead down to like me just being entitled to other people's stuff, which is technically, I guess, kind of stealing. So it's like, where do I fit? And I started, I read a couple of Russell Brand books, which is very random, but like, cause he's not a <laughs> philosophical anything, but he actually yeah. is. He's fucking brilliant. Um, If you listen to his podcast or anything, he's like a very, I actually very listened smart to him. man. I listened
0: to him. Oh, and, and uh, Jordan Peterson once, yeah. Both yeah, of them are sure. brilliant,
1: and they actually did a, yeah. it. they actually did a conversation together, which was like magical, yeah. um, beautiful material. So, I've heard uh, it. <laughs> any, <laughs> it's so good, so good. So, anyway, I, I started listening to him, and I feel like a lot of things he was saying were was really reson- resonating with me, and I feel like he's very intelligent. So I was like, okay, and I'm like, and maybe I'm like this other weird way where I just don't want to vote, and I like, but I care about people, but like, I just. But I also don't want to force anyone to give me their money. Um, then I started reading or I heard an excerpt from The Most Dangerous Superstition by Larkin Rose, which I love saying because he's like, he gets credit for this a little bit before knowing him personally, which I do now. And I love him. But... Um, I was literally a fangirl. I paid to talk to him the first time I ever talked to him. This is not a joke. Um, awesome. <laughs> and uh, so I followed him forever, right? And I was like, I can't even be one of your 5,000 friends. And I'm so sad. I sent him like all these fucking messages. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I watched all of his YouTube videos. And I was like, this is it, this is me. Like, cause he's like an average everyday person. He's saying things in average everyday language and what he's saying really makes sense and resonates for me. And then I like fell completely down the rabbit hole. I went like, I like zoomed straight past Ron Paul conservatism. I actually did an interview for my like a hi- uh, college paper about like why Ron Paul shouldn't even be in the Republican party because he was too weird Uh, (laughs) So, like, I (laughs) I went straight from that kind of conservative to, like, weirdly and calm for, like, a week to completely accepting anarchism and voluntarism. And that was, like, around the time my oldest was, like, around one. So, like, probably six and a half years ago. So, for six and a half years, I've been an anarchist, which is cool.
0: (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Like, that's the coolest journey. And I've never been a Ron Paul, uh, like, that didn't bring me to liberty. Not that I don't appreciate some of what he did or whatever. But that was not, like, I just went straight from, like, the Glenn Beck, uh, Rush Limbaugh conservative to an anarchist within six months, too. So it was just, like, uh, I followed logical conclusions. And also, I do love Larkin Rose, which a lot of people listening might not um, know him. So on the We Are Libertarians network, we have newer listeners, like newer libertarians, people interested in it. And then here on Stereo, the same. So if you don't know who he is, he's just an amazing anarchist. And don't let uh, the word anarchist scare you. So go to YouTube or wherever and watch some of his videos because they're pretty cool. So definitely like a big fan as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really it's honestly embarrassing.
1: Like I'm as embarrassingly a fan girl.
0: You sent him messages. (laughs) Did he? Did he answer them? (laughs) Oh, so no. So I kept
1: (laughs) like I would comment, and sometimes he'd like like my comments, and I would just I'd feel so like. If this seems ridiculous now that I actually know him, he's like been to my house. Like we are friends, but in the (laughs) beginning, I was literally just a fangirl I read his book. I was like following him on Facebook. I was like sending him messages out, like to me things that are interesting about liberty i'm like you should talk about this because it's interesting to me and like not thinking of the fact that he gets like a billion messages and also he's like the least technically savvy human being that has ever (laughs) graced the internet so like i had no idea that i I was like wow he has like a huge following he's really brilliant like obviously he he has people or he's like really good at using his facebook and obviously he's just avoiding my message or whatever and then like found out (laughs) later after kind of becoming friends with him he's like wow you wrote me this like really long message like six months ago and I was like sure did <laughs> um and then he ended up like helping me get into an and everything after that so it was totally like water under the bridge but yeah it was super it's it, it's embarrassing now a little bit but um not really because I'm like he really did change my life. Like becoming an anarchist changes your life, it changes your whole approach to oh, life. So
0: I, I would agree. It colors everything I do. And it was always what I was looking for. It was always a lens. I was, I was looking for the, the lens of truth and it, it pretty much gave me that. So no, I totally right, get so You that. didn't have to
1: defend yourself anymore. It defend your terrible,
0: yeah. terrible ideas.
1: Right. Like, I Oh, why is Bush do- taking us yes to
0: war? Like, I don't know. I, There's a good I, reason I, though. I totally, I totally get that because it was like, um, there was a time in my life when I would defend things. And honestly, in my heart, I knew that I didn't have a defense of them and I didn't know why I was defending them. So I would just parrot what I've heard. It it didn't come Mm, from a place of truth. You know what I mean?
1: Um, Oh, a hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So when I discovered anarchism and voluntarism, I was like, oh, well, I can actually defend what I believe because I actually believe this. And this is a place of truth. So it was yeah, life changing. So yeah. Yeah. And the first yeah. time I talked to Larkin, I sent him one message. I'm like, hey, will you do this debate with my friend? He's like, debate? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but um, yeah. So if you don't, if you guys have never heard of voluntarism or anarchism Look up Larkin Rose, he has some wonderful videos on YouTube, he has some great books you can buy, um, support him, so he's pretty awesome. Love that guy. Um, okay, so what we want I wanted to talk about with you, because it's your area of expertise, would be a couple of different topics. One is peaceful parenting, so a lot of people don't understand what that is, so what do you define peaceful parenting as, Brittany? So I define
1: peaceful parenting probably a little more loosely than other people would, but I like to encompass all of the different varieties of peaceful parenting in my definition. So I would say it's any type of parenting that comes from a place of non-coercion and relationship-based interactions and consent-based interactions um, up to the point of safety. So it's like, if it doesn't impact safety, consent should always be involved. So like- for example, my child hates her car seat sometimes, but like that's non-negotiable because it's about mm-hmm. safety. But if it's something else like my kid doesn't want to eat asparagus for dinner, well, that's a conversation because we can there that's not really a safety situation,
0: you know. So
1: it's it's stuff well, like that. Uh coming from a point of consent
0: and non coercion. That actually makes complete sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've never actually heard it described that way. So, um, I have two older children, they're teenagers now, and I kind of raised them a little bit in um, a statist environment. And then when I discovered something called free range parenting with Lenore Skenazi, I did change a little bit. Um, So uh, I became a little more open-minded, but one of the things that was hard to let go of, which I was raised with was saying no to your child. Um, Mm. And and i know you say you talk about a place of safety what do you think about saying no to your child
1: that's a that's a hard one so i am someone who firmly believes in no but i would say mm-hmm. i don't i reserve it for serious circumstances and my children both take it very seriously so okay. I'm not the parent saying, oh, no, don't touch that. Oh, no, don't go there. Oh, no, don't, you know, like that. You'll not hear. Uh If you're around me on any given week, the chance that you will run into me using a no is unlikely because I try to find a yes. And I think. It's really a reframe of whatever a mainstream parent would do, a conscious parent can do with a reframe, right? So it's like, I don't want my kid to touch the oven, but I'm like, no, don't touch the oven. I would go stand in front of the oven and say, the oven is hot. You're not Mm -hmm. going to touch the oven. That's not the same thing as no, don't. It's more like, hey, I'm going to inform you that this is a safety boundary and I'm going to personally enforce it. So you don't have to listen to me saying no and try and like conceptualize what that might mean when your brain is really not functioning at that capacity. Like I'm going to show you with my physical body that this is a boundary that you can't cross. Whereas to me, no would be like, you know, if my child was for God forbid, got away from me and was running into the street, that's when I would use a no. Because to me, that's a moment (laughs) where it's like, I have to honor that this is a very important thing that's happening and taking place and because you haven't heard it from me so much there's a much higher chance that me shouting the word no at you when you never hear that from me is going to make an impact it's the same thing as like in a in an adult relationship if your partner's always like sure honey go out with the girls sure honey do this thing and then it's like oh it's you know my mom's birthday i really want you to come and they're like no don't go out with your friends tonight it's my mom's birthday and i really want you to come celebrate with us you're going to take that no super seriously. Cause you're like, you always say yes. You're always understanding if this is a no for you, like I get it. You know, it's really just relationship based. So it's like, do you say no in your relationship? Of course you do. But do you try to say yes as much as you can?
0: If you love that person also, yes. Does that make sense? You know, that's, that's interesting that you say that because um, it's kind of a Christian principle actually. And I know that you were kind of raised in a Christian uh, based environment. But there's a scripture that says, make your yeses yes and your noes noes. And mm. I think that a lot of times we don't. We make them mean nothing. So I think that's pretty cool that you say that because it's like, if you're going to say no, make it mean something. Don't just constantly say it. Like, make make something affirmative uh, be important. And the same with saying no to something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say one of my biggest pet peeves, like in the parenting world, like what I see, as far as like, I wouldn't call myself a parenting expert, but I would say I'm a well read parent <laughs> um, is <laughs> watching parents beg their children. Like, yeah. that is, is so... It grosses me out so much because it's like no one likes to be begged. Like, people don't want to stay in relationships where they're begged. Like, if I'm in a relationship with a man and he's constantly, please, 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 come on, can't you just, oh, like, oh, that's so annoying. You know, you don't you want that in a relationship, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Yeah. It grosses you out; it makes you not want to be in that relationship. You know, and so it's like I. It's the same thing with children; it's mirrored to the relationship we have with our kids because it's like when I see parents being like, "Come on, won't you please get in the car? Can't you please do it? Won't you?" You know, it's like it's like this weird begging thing, and it's like no, there's that there, we don't have a conversation about things that that there is no conversation to be had, right? So if there's not, if it's non-negotiable that you're getting in the car right now, I'm just going to say, you're getting in the car. Do you want my help or can you do it yourself? And if they don't answer that to me means you would like my help and I will help you get in, but there's no begging. (laughs) It's just, this is what we're doing. Okay. It's happening. You know? And I, I ask the question, I genuinely am going to take your, your feedback. So I'm like, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Then like you have the opportunity to like express what you'd like and we can have a negotiation but if there's no negotiation like i don't even offer it because i don't get in that weird power struggle begging thing with my
0: children i think it's very weird no and i think that's actually pretty common in like an american culture um but i did want to touch on something which is a hot topic um and that is the topic of spanking so um, I think a lot of uh, religions teach parents that, uh, or or I guess the way that people view the religion, teach them that they should spank their child um, if they do something uh, wrong. And I'm against spanking because I don't think that you should hit any person um, if you're not defending yourself. And obviously you're not going to need to defend yourself against a child. But um, what would you say <laughs> about that? <laughs> yeah you know you're bigger than them so <laughs> you
1: right i feel like it should go without saying but for some reason yeah. it doesn't so um obvious so i came from i think maybe we came from similar backgrounds but um i came from a background of of a very strong christian family again where it was a sort of spare the quote-unquote rod spoil the child and so spanking yeah. was like is like the christian thing to do and it's so fun because i've just dug into that so much into the root words and in, in you know the actual hebrew language where that was used and what like the rod would have meant and the rod is of course the rod of wisdom the rod of discipline which i always tell people discipline means making disciples how do you make a disciple you teach you teach yeah. right you don't make a disciple by beating people over the head and then hope they you know follow in the direction that you're barking because they're scared right like that's not how to make a disciple so it's like for me i i can always counter counter that with like how many times did jesus hit people who didn't you know go along with his plan or didn't believe what he was saying was truth or whatever it's like never zero times there are zero instances right. of Jesus hitting people for disagreeing <laughs> with him. <laughs> so I, I just feel like it's just a silly I hate the religious argument because there's literally no there's no space for it.
0: Um it's yeah, I, completely about discernment. I I would quite agree. And if you want somebody to um, follow you or learn from you hey, or believe wh- the same thing you do, oh look, we've got some. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do that. I was like, <laughs> oh, what? I, I thought it might have been like <laughs>
1: I think it might have been a. I thought it might have been like comment comment. So I was like, "Oh, is that a it comment?" Is. And okay, then I just wait, started hold playing. Hold on a
0: second. Let, let me see. Okay, um, I'm not getting their questions, so we'll have to wait a second. Um, okay. Yeah, usually it does it like that. Um, okay. It started so. playing, and I was
1: scared, so I just stopped it. Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It might have been. A it was on Your end. But that's fine. If you get it again, just play it. We're good. Well, we're, like, we're not okay. super fancy here, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, anyhow, so, so it's just a, so go ahead. Ask
0: me what you're going to ask me. Clarify. Yeah. So, um, like, like talking about that, I think it's, uh, I think it's really difficult for people to understand that concept, and they think that it's somehow, uh, being a weak parent, like, um, mm. not t- spanking your child or. The idea that you're not going to say no um, and not necessarily I think you're going to fall
1: into permissive parenting, which to me is just right. as bad as authoritarian parenting, where you're like beating people all the time, trying to keep people on line. Because to me, they're like opposite ends of the same spectrum. It's kind of like saying is it worse to be a Nazi or be a hardcore communist? It's like, yeah, they both kill people. Like, well, let's not compare like the two worst things possible. Like, yes, if you do nothing, let your kids do whatever, never have boundaries, never have expectations. Of course, you're going to have the worst, most rotten, terrible children that no one wants to be around. Great. One of Jordan B. Peterson's great rules for life, which I completely love and totally agree with is make your children people you want to be around. Yes, because PSA, oh, you're I, gonna fucking be around. Them.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny too. My, I have two girls that are older besides my child, that um, 16 and 13, and um, I think, uh, and I'm a peaceful parent, and I think that they're people that other people would enjoy being around. Like they're great people. So I laugh when people are like, "If you don't spank your kids," I'm like, "Yeah, you would like my teenagers." You know, mm. <laughs> they're good mm. people. Like they work really hard. They don't like sit and bad mouth people they're not obnoxious
1: and honestly and- that's so great but even <laughs> if they weren't like that wouldn't change your ethical yeah. and I used to tell people that I said even if it turns out my kid is like miserable to you random Karen like I'm at least living my ethical value which is that I'm not going to hurt defenseless people um we them you know old ladies <laughs> like my own yeah. children like if you don't have a defense and recourse against me, even if they're really aching me angry, I'm not going to hit them. Um, cause that's I, like my own that, ethical value.
0: That, no, that's a good comparison too, because I tell people a lot, like, can you reason with somebody? If you can't reason with them, why would you hit them? Because they're not going to understand why you're hitting them. And if you can reason with them, then reason with them and use that same, um, ethic with, that you would with an an older adult that might be maybe a little bit mentally deficient or have dementia now. So obviously they're not, their mind is not working the same way yours is just like a child is learning and growing. Would you hit an elder? Would you hit them if they were being unreasonable? Obviously not. Mm -hmm. That's abuse. So why would you do it to a child? It's, it's, it's really strange that we have this concept that you can hit people and make them do what they want to do. Um, and I think that is going away a little bit in society, which is a good thing. But um totally. Uh, but it's it's, yeah. it's really like
1: I, what I was just to go back, kind of circle back to what you were saying before. It's like people say like, "Oh, it's like lazy parenting." I'm sorry. There is no there is no deeper self work that I have done as a human being than learning to cope with my child triggering me, making me feel very angry inside, <laughs> making me feel. Very, that, I, that, that I've had to do then to do that self-work and be like, I'm not going to have a reaction right now, even though I want to throw you through the window. I literally want to yeah. pick you up and throw you through the window, but I'm not going to do that because I am a mature, responsible, calm adult. And I'm going to show you what it's like to be a reasonable, calm person. And and it, it's so difficult. I mean, all the time, there's all, there's so many, and, and I would love to, I would love to be a spanking parent sometimes. I would love it. Cause I'd be like, no means no, bah! Yep. you know, and then they'll just shut <laughs> yeah. up cause they're scared. You know, it's like, it's, and I look back on my own childhood and I see so many instances like I have, you know, my, um, my dad's side of the family, you know, they got a lot of compliments about how, how so well-mannered we were. Cause we were like, the, we were like told, you know, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You know, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Like that's how you talk to people. And it was like militant, right? Like if you just said, well, you know they were like, you do you like this pop tart? And they were like, you are like, Yeah they'd be like, yeah. And they'd be. you'd be like, Oh yes, ma'am. I love that popped out Right. It was like a correction constantly. Um, like this overriding thing of like respect and say the right things and all this. And um, I, I think sometimes to myself, it's like I had so little true impulse control and I was completely just regurgitating whatever I thought would like get me out of trouble in the moment, whatever I thought I was supposed to do. I didn't have any real respect for the people I was yes-mamming to death, you know? And mm-hmm. and now with my daughter, I can see in certain circumstances where she literally has so much respect for the way that I see the world. Where she'll just, like, ask me for my input on, like, things where I'm just, like... And I didn't ask anyone what they thought about this thing when I was seven, you know? I just, like, yeah. thought about it in my own head and then shut it down. <laughs> like, don't ask anybody about that. Keep it in your own head, you crazy person, you know? And so I feel like the the proof for me is really in the pudding. Like, I know that I have an honest relationship with my kid. And even though it's so difficult sometimes to be the person who has the self-control. Because all spanking parents are doing is saying, you pissed me off with that thing you did. And now I'm going to piss you off with the thing I'm going to do. It's like the eye for an eye, eye for an eye, eye for an eye over and over again. That is easy. It is much harder yeah. to say, you know what you deserve right now when you just like my kid will do this thing where she like, you know, um, when she was like more when she was younger, but she would get really mad at me and she would kind of like, like throw something that she that like was like an important toy or something and she just throw it down and like kind of be like, I don't even care about this. because I'm so mad about whatever the thing was, you know? And I would, mm-hmm. and, and she not, not necessarily break it, but she, she could potentially have broken it. And I would pick it up and I'd be like, this thing like matters to you. Like, why are you hurting it? You know, and, and have the conversation about it. And it takes so much effort to do that versus like throw it down even harder and be like, Oh, now it's broken. That's what you get. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the way oh, I was parenting. Yeah. I feel like I was parenting a way that was like, just get you back for whatever thing you're doing that I don't like, instead of it actually being like, Hmm, how should you have handled that? well i'm going to handle it that way and to show you how you should handle it instead of joining in on your chaos and being chaotic myself
0: uh, no exactly so it's being reactionary instead of being proactive as a parent um mm-hmm. and i and with teenagers i can say like there's a lot of times where i want to dismiss what they say because i think it's very <laughs> it's very small and it doesn't matter in the long run, but at the same time I have to realize that it matters to them. So I can't dismiss mm. their feelings. So it, it does, it's the same thing in like a, a grander scale, I suppose, um, with teenagers where I'm just like, okay, well, this matters to them. So I need to address it because it's important to them. Even if I think it's super minuscule and not important <laughs> in the law in the grand scheme of life, because it may not be, <laughs> right, but I yep. do, but I can't dismiss it because it's important to them, you know? So um, it it kind of grows and grows from there. Like with, and, and I do remember like my parents dismissing a lot of what I would say when I was younger, because it was that reactionary parenting. Well, this is dumb and here's what I think. And it's like, well, you're not really raising an adult then you're just trying to raise a person that's mimicking you. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, you're not um, just open
1: to watching someone grow up. You know, yeah. I think that's been my frame of parenting the entire time. Like I'm your steward on this journey to you figuring out who you are, not I am the person you should model your life after. And you better be just like me and think just like me and do just like me. You know, like acknowledging well, that you were born a different person.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. We're, we're raising you're raising adults. You're not really raising children. You know what I mean? Right. So you're you're stepping. Okay. Yes, it is. It really is, and I have a 16 year old, so it's super scary. I can't even know how scary
1: it's <laughs> for you. I want to think haven't... about that. My friends have like 11 and 12 year olds, even. I'm like, no, never. Yeah. Even though I know it's coming.
0: <laughs> she's actually she's a really great person, and but she has decided like um that she wants to go to college and be a philosophy major. <laughs> oh that's so sad and cute oh goodness good luck to her (laughs) yeah I know but she does um she's uh been taking Chinese and is fluent in that I'm like just keep doing that because you can work at any company like
1: Um, Take you're like, enjoy your philosophy degree, but just keep on the Chinese.
0: That's the agreement. (laughs) My husband and I are like, okay, well, just kind of keep going with that language thing so you can work at a real company and then have fun with the philosophy (laughs) degree. I don't know. You never know. know. You never know. But I'm trying not to discourage her. And I, you know, that's her life and her investment. So I'm a big fan of like letting my children invest in their college. I will help them in whatever way I can, but I'm not going to pay for that. (laughs) So.
1: (laughs) Um, I'm going to incentivize not going to college be like, here, here's a bunch of money for you to take a gap year. Here's a bunch of money to start your own business. Oh, you want to go to college? Good luck with that. I'll help you find some scholarships. It's so totally. funny <laughs> you say
0: that. It's so funny you say that because I exactly did that. I'm like, well, if you want to do this and like my daughter works, actually works at the same place I work at. And I'm like, you know, if you want it, but she is just adamant. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to be true to what I believe. And if she really wants to do this, I'm going to let her do this. She wants to take up the loans. But it's just like, I told you, you didn't have to go. And now you're going to be a philosophy major. <laughs> you Almost. didn't even have
1: to go. And now you're doing the worst. No,
0: I'm doing not the worst.
1: But that's <laughs> it. That's it.
0: Yeah. So who knows what will happen after a year of that, you know? Yeah, so You never know. Um, that's so true so you do you have um basically like a preschool which is Mm -hmm. like um something you call up schooling or unschooling which is something i'm super interested in because my youngest daughter my my husband is an anarchist as well um and so I, i have a really cool opportunity to raise um this daughter in a different environment than i did my older two um and we are going to do unschool her and so i I think a lot of people that scares the shit out of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, talk about maybe like what unschooling or upschooling is to you and and what you do with your preschool.
1: Uh, So this is a really fun story. So I, um, always plan to unschool my oldest daughter who is seven now, um, I didn't know that I'd be able to because her dad and I stopped being together when she was a little over one. Um, So, and he definitely was more just like went along with what I wanted to do in the world while we were together, but doesn't necessarily hold the same values as I do. Whereas my husband is an anarchist on principle, but won't be an anarchist on paper. He's one of those. Um, gotcha. <laughs> um so he's like i don't know i'm middle of the road and i don't really care about politics i'm like exactly you're an anarchist um yes <laughs> he's like, i don't really vote and i just want people to leave me alone i'm like you're an anarchist but anyway yeah he's um, probably more of an anarchist
0: <laughs> than anarchist. You, know, he, he like
1: you know the candles in the dark like larkin rose was like hey bring a yeah. status and we can show them that they really truly in their heart aren't an anarchists and he completely was like hook line and sinker he's like oh yeah guess that's true I am. But like, still to this day, I'm like, are you an anarchist? He's like, I'm more like, I don't know, libertarian. Like, he just, he can't. He, he's like, no, he can't stomach the label. One day, maybe. Um, But anyway, so my youngest, I wanted to uh, up, uh, unschool her. And I was like, hey, um, my my daughter's dad stole my car and I was like now I have no car so I have no way to have a job um and I was (laughs) yeah yeah it was really awesome um because we had my car in his name because he was older and got a cheaper insurance rate so that was really awesome when we broke up and he was like just kidding you can't have a car anymore have fun walking to your groceries so that was fun um um, but uh that's why anytime anyone's like oh you don't deserve what you have I'm like literally kiss my ass but anyway yeah. uh, <laughs> that's well, I've,
0: been there. I, I've been there I've been
1: <laughs> trust me yeah uh, walk to your groceries level but yeah
0: so oh, I, yeah I know what it's I, like to hide my food in somebody else's fridge because my power got turned off being a
1: sickle yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <getcha>. It's so <laughs> terrible so terrible yeah. so anyway I um I was like how am I gonna make this work I'm either gonna send her sh- to the world's shittiest daycare because that's what I can afford, right? That's literally what I can afford. Um, on you know trying to teach, which was what I was go- what I went to college for, um, and I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. Why would I go be with a bunch of random rich people's kids while my kid just suffers in the crappiest school ever? Like none of it made any sense. Um, but I was like, I can't actually afford my life. And um, (laughs) I came up with the idea that I was going to just have kids come to me. Cause I'm like, then that doesn't require a car. I'm, you know, pretty knowledgeable about parenting in general. And I have this teaching background so I can, you know, help these kids grow. And I started up school in an upstairs apartment and it was in a not great neighborhood. And I was just like, please trust me. I'm smart and I don't know, well-spoken. And eventually it worked. <laughs> right. And like after a lot of error and trial and error, and I have a client now that both of our kids are seven. So she's been in this with me the entire time. Um, and he's still doing all the things that my daughter's doing. So we've been in this homeschooling adventure forever. Um, but yeah, so I've had clients over the years. I'm in my, my preschool. Um, because sort of my whole Concept for up schooling was I was dating a guy who was really awesome and super an inspiration, and he was like, "Hey, unschool makes people like like me who are like regular white people um, feel like that's <laughs> bad, right? Like I want my kids to school. I don't want them to unschool, right?" And I said, "Yeah, I I get that." And he was like, "Why do you call it up schooling? Because what you're trying to do is give them something better than schooling." And they, you can explain that to them in person, uh, the whole concept of unschooling or Montessori-style um, like learning. He's like, you could explain that to them in person. He's like, but don't call it unschooling because that could be like something that really detracts. So I will forever give him credit. He was the one that was, uh, initially said, call it up schooling because that's when you're explaining it to me, that's really what you mean. And I was like, that is what I mean. It is better than unschooling. So awesome. um that, <laughs> Yes, yes. So to his eternal credit, he was a, a brief flicker in my life in the long run I love him still he's still my friend but yeah that didn't work out but he was right he was totally right about upschooling and um as a word and as a as a concept and um then I kind of just sort of sold this program to parents that was based on basically the non-aggression principle like I don't hold children to standards I don't hold adults I don't expect kids to never have a bad day I don't expect kids to sit for long periods of time there's no reason why a child under five should be sitting in some kind of weird circle time and be in trouble if they move like that's weird um and it's it's very contrary to how other people run their home child care their home daycares their preschools like i just don't do things that way because i don't find it to be helpful or useful or practical it's like kids just don't have it in them to sit for long periods of time. They're not always interested in, in letter learning. They're not always interested in number sense. They're not always interested in academics. So to present parents with this like beautiful program, that's like, I'm going to teach your kid how to read by the time they're five. That's unrealistic. (laughs) You know, some kids will read by the five because they want to, but some kids won't. It doesn't matter how much information you give them, how much you drill them. All they'll do is they'll start to hate coming and being around me. And I'm not ever going to do that. Um, And, you know eventually I got a pretty good reputation for being someone who only offered developmentally appropriate child activities because that's what I was doing I just didn't offer children anything that wasn't exactly on on par with what they should for by their brain development like if you actually study the neurological brain development of children you wouldn't be asking kids to do some of these obscure things that these crazy preschools are asking kids to do so i just stay on target with what kids brains are actually uh, uh, able to do and i got lucky that i have an amazing kid who everyone's always like wow your child's like so well spoken and has like great manners and is super kind to others and i'm like she's a product of the way she's been raised, you know. So that was helpful <laughs> for sure. Um,
0: but yeah. So you've seen like a definitely like a positive impact then what you've doing like I I think that it it, it might scare people <laughs> initially like saying that because of tradition and the way that schooling generally is or preschool or daycare programs. So Um, do you get like some kickback when people, uh, figure out what you're doing or,
1: um, I will say that I definitely think there are people who aren't, what I'm offering is not what they're looking for. And I think I really benefit from being very blatantly honest with parents in that. Um, and I, and I think I read well because I think that I have more education and like just generally a higher IQ than most of the people doing the job that I'm doing. And that's not to be like, Oh, am such a high IQ, but I'm saying generally speaking, no, people who end up I end in, in daycare. In these... <laughs> I okay. in daycare. So you right. understand, right? Right. <laughs> yes. So it's like people, and it's like, it's a it's, a cert, it's like a 40 hour certification. You can get it out of high school. Um, and then it's literally just following the government's blueprints of what you're doing essentially. So mm-hmm. it's not a very hard job to come by and a lot of parents seeing it as like oh I can stay home with my kids so I'll just like learn how to like fake it and put up some posters and like not let kids die which is nice great like I'm sure those people (laughs) like care about kids on some level I'm sure their kids are safe there that's fine but like that was never me like child education in the same way that healing my trauma of my life you know, taking, making sure that my children and other children are respected as human beings has been an important part of healing myself and, and creating another story for myself. And I think I read well to other adults who are like, wow, all the other people that we've spoken to, even directors of great, giant, big, notable preschools, um, aren't really on par with how she speaks about child rearing or how she speaks about the education of preschoolers so it doesn't really matter practically what I do um I think to some of these parents because they recognize that I am so competent you know in, in what I'm <laughs> providing and what I believe should be there um and like I said I I'm always open for feedback but I really haven't had a parent yet say like well this is really not working for like they need more structure and they're really not developing the contrary I've had kids who said oh my child is so delayed and now my child is speaking in full sentences and can do all these new things and it's like children want to grow they just can't grow in an environment that's authoritarian because they're always going to be told that they're either not doing enough or they're doing the wrong things Whereas, like, if you're just open and saying, hey, you can just be whoever it is that you are. And when kids feel accepted and safe and loved, of course, they flourish from that. Mm-hmm. That soil. You
0: know what I mean? I wish that you lived here in Ohio because. <laughs> <laughs> so to that point, have you, like, kind of um, made a blueprint for this and, like, to help other people develop, like, the upschooling technique or anything like that? Or is so there, like, a network? So it's hilariously it's like
1: my dream to have a method that is mine right so it's like there's the Montessori method obviously named after Maria Montessori and you know so and all these other different methods like free-range parenting like you were talking about like nicknamed by a person who coined the phrase right so I've always wanted to do that with my life eventually um I did try to actually right now up school is being run by my um, former assistant who is now the director um, of my old childcare. I don't actually do up school anymore because I started a whole new freedom based co-op for my older um, because they're all the mass craziness. We ended up going in a really interesting and fun direction and kind of serving the needs of parents that, you know, were not willing to um, subject their children to these authoritarian medical tyranny weird temperature taking and face covering craziness in yes. schools now. Yes. So we ended up I ended up starting something completely new. Um obviously still fundamentally very similar to up school but with older children so it's not exactly the same. Um and so my my old assistant now is is completely running up school. Um but I had initially actually signed up a mom in in the other side of the county that I was living in um, to have franchise and do her own version of up school and like that I was going to provide her with training and sort of explain to her how to sort of run the day, what the rhythm would be like, kind of what to expect and kind of walk her throughout how to solve her problems. Cause I think a lot of people are intimidated when they think about like being a peaceful parent that they're going to have like no control and no say so in what's going on. And the kids are just gonna be chaotic. Mm-hmm. And like, I have the most peaceful, independent children that you can even imagine they play so well together we almost never have issues because like i said it's really just in the it's in the um it's in the the weave of the texture of our you know culture is that we all trust and respect each other and that starts with me so i trust and respect them they trust and respect me they trust and respect each other you know and uh it's like Some principles of my of my program has always been like respect for others, respect for the environment, respect for each other um, uh, you know, respect for our bodies. And so it's like, if you respect your body, then you eat good food. And like, we talk about that. I don't say you need to eat your vegetables. They say like, do you respect your body and what it has to do for you today? You know, like that's an easy yeah. way to explain these concepts. So it doesn't have to be authoritarian. So like where another parent would say, you have to eat your vegetables, you're your, you know, otherwise you're going to not be strong and all these other fake things that aren't real. And like, I don't do that. You know, I don't pretend I don't make these like fake, you know, caricatures of real life stuff. I tell them the real life stuff. I say, hey, this broccoli has, you know, X vitamins and X minerals and your body needs those. You want to know what that does in your body? Do you want to know what zinc does for you? Do you want to know what vitamin C does for you? Want to know what calcium does for you? Because we can talk about it. It's super important. And like kids are not stupid. They listen and they hear you and they pay attention and they're so fast to absorb what's
0: going on. And so yeah, you oh. don't have to say, good, good. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And it's it's basically treating a child like an adult that just has more things to learn, basically.
1: A hundred percent. It's just a less capable adult. That's literally it. Yeah. It's a less capable person. It's not a lower person, a lesser person, Uh, you know, a, a person that needs to be handled, you know, it's not, and, and I feel like a lot of people and adults in general spend a lot of time, you know, trying to manage the inconvenience of raising children rather than acknowledge the, you know, necessary aspects of, you know, growing a human being into an adult. Well, it's a lot more work. (laughs) (laughs) Than just managing them as inconveniences.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So true. Um, Yes. My baby is waking up. She's eating right now, but it's a good thing that we're not on video. <laughs> are you, are you breastfeeding? I am, but actually Yay. we're, we're kind of doing, we're doing a, a mixed thing here because I have to go back to work and it's not, um... uh, no, <laughs> but the worst. I know. So I did have a couple of, um, questions for you. Something about, uh, in your bio about Waldorf techniques. It, you use that in the up-schooling. What, I'm not sure even what that is.
1: Oh, yeah. So I, I basically, I'm, like, pretty well studied um, in terms of, like, just different techniques of, like, things that have helped, you know, children grow um, just in in all of history. I kind of just, I'm like, hey, what have we been doing forever that I can actually see the, the evidence to suggest that this technique works? And so I studied the Montessori method myself. Um, became Montessori trained, um, and mm-hmm. I sort of know how to do that. Um, and then there was a well, there. So I was going for public ed at some point forever ago in college, and I was like, this is terrible. I'm just, like, basically a glorified puppet for the state, which is true. I don't care what anyone says. They hand you the material. They say, this is what you teach. And it's terrible. And you're like, hey, but I'd really like to spend, like, a long time on this certain thing because I think it's really important. They're like, nope, two days, you know? So um, Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't. Do that right and, and and feel okay with myself. So I was like, okay, I'm going to study all these alternative education methods because I was like, there's got to be, I know that I'm called to teach in general. And I don't know that necessarily I was called to teach children only or just adults, or I don't know that I was specifically called to children. Um, but I do feel like, you know, I was investigating that after college and I, um, I think children felt safe to me. I was always kind of scared of the judgment of adults that that I wasn't really a real adult or that I wasn't, you know, studied enough to be able to help adults. Um, I've changed that kind of as I've aged, but in the beginning I was kind of like, well, I do think I could definitely help children. So I studied the Waldorf method. So the Waldorf method, um, basically the long, long and short of it is there is a guy actually who ran a factory and, all of the kids that had parents who worked in this factory needed like a school. So he was like, oh, I'll just start this school. And basically use the principles that, you know, he believed were important for childhood, which, you know, were more practical. And so he wanted, he believed that children needed to spend a great deal of time outside, which is so true. Amen. Yeah, (laughs) that children needed to do hands-on work. They didn't need to do like hypothetical, imaginative, non-concrete work, which also fits hand in hand with Montessori method, which says there's no anything outside of the concrete until children cross the second plane of development. So the first plane development is like you have to give kids concrete examples because they're not going to be able to imagine in their own head. Oh, what is an elephant like? If you don't show them a physical elephant, they can't just cognize it in their own brain, right? So Waldorf had the same idea. He's like, let's give kids a lot of concrete like mediums to like express themselves so like um painting art drama um knitting like so these were the kind of the sort of um like pegboards like these are the um the sort of tenets of the Waldorf method is to sort of use you know it 's a holistic method again that incorporates the the spiritual aspect of a child, the emotional aspect of a child, and also the physical aspect but in when it comes to like training them and educating them, it was more just the physical um giving them concrete things that they could actually see, feel touch here to you know start them on their educational journey and not pressing quote, unquote, like hard academics. So a lot of like Waldorf kids don't read until like seven, eight, nine. Whereas in a traditional school system, 80% of kids are at least reading sight words by kindergarten, right? So it's a completely contrary, just different way of approaching learning. And I just feel like I saw the kids that were coming out of these programs, these alternative programs, such as Montessori and Waldorf. And I saw that they were, happier, better human beings. And I felt like and 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 with Waldorf, you know, because it was started by a guy who owned a factory, it was kids from, you know, obviously, they had a, a similar financial background, but they had varying cultural backgrounds, varying geographical backgrounds. So it was a very much a melting pot of all these different types of people. And I love that aspect of the Waldorf um, method, you know, that it's not supposed to be just like some rich kids, you know, getting a really great education. It's supposed to be all types of kids getting a, you know, a very hands-on, um, holistic education. And so I really like that aspect of it. It was very approachable for a lot of different kids from a lot of different
0: cultures. I, I think it's interesting. You talk about like reading levels, um, because having two older children that are in public school, um just because i am i share parenting with my ex-husband so that's just something we have to do um <laughs> but i noticed like uh pushing to read at like an earlier level and things like that is something that's like it's kind of like this um you know do or die thing and i've noticed that pretty much once children get to a certain level they all kind of read the same (laughs) and so I'm not understanding like the push to get them to read at such an early age um and I I don't know is there a difference in that like like the public school method and like like the Waldorf or the Montessori method so no I mean
1: not I mean in the long run like you were saying the long run does it really make a difference if all nine-year-olds can pretty much read like when they yeah. started reading, yeah. Um, I would say, like, I don't, I agree. Like, I don't see that there's really a difference. And I feel like if anything, in my opinion, it's always best to like, and, y- and you know, this is true for yourself as an adult. It's like, when have you really enjoyed learning something? Has it been whenever yeah. someone's like, hey, you better learn how to use this you know, like, you know, for a job or like for, for a school assignment, like, oh, you got to have to use this weird platform to submit your work or something, or, oh, you have to use this new PO, PO point of sale system to check these people out. Like when you have to force to learn it because it's like, all right, do or die. You gotta, you gotta learn it. It's so frustrating. Right. Versus if you're like, wow, I really wonder how such and such happens or how I could actually make a cake without using X ingredient. Cause so-and-so is allergic to it. And like, you're actually interested and you just dive into mm-hmm. it from that perspective then it comes to you so much quicker you know my daughter right now my daughter would be considered a late reader um she does have vision problems which she discovered kind of along the way she does probably have some sort of mild dyslexia on some people's scales which we have discovered along the way but all in all she wasn't interested she wasn't interested yes. and she did everything early. She walked early. She talked early. She talked to complete sentences before anyone. She knew her alphabet at two and a half. Like she was ahead in the sense she was always curious, you know, like, you know, just a, a, a precocious little kid. And for whatever reason, it just reads Reading was not interesting in her and did not come to her. And there was a point in which it was a deep struggle within myself to let go of, Well, everybody else's six-year-old can read sight words and all these things, and your six-year-old doesn't care. Doesn't. Right? Well, that's kind of funny, though,
0: because that's kind of American culture, and and those things shouldn't really matter that much to us, you know? Oh, and it's like, what does she need
1: to read for, by the way? Nothing. Like, she's not doing literally (laughs) anything that requires her to be able to read. Whereas, like, now, I think intuitively, as she got older and she started playing, like, you know, some, like, Roblox games with their cousins She or Minecraft. She all of a sudden was like, I now have, again, this invisible hand of self-interest. I now have the self-interest to want to read so I can communicate or understand what people are trying to communicate with me when I'm not in person with them. So they're sending me these messages to make these certain things, and I can't read them. And I'm team, I, as a parent, I'm team, nope, that's not my job. I'm not reading reagan's messages to you you need to learn how to read and it's yeah. not it's it's tough love but it's like girl those aren't my messages i don't need to read them sound it out can't help you know and i think um uh, <laughs> to some level it was kind of like she's like oh i better learn to read or i'm not gonna be able to know what's going yeah. on and so like i said it, because it became important to her in her life in her personal child life And I think a lot of kids do that in public school because they're like, oh, it's important to me because all my friends are reading, right? It's more like a peer pressure thing. But because she's homeschooled, it was like there was never other kids that were reading around her. She was like, oh, I'm the only one not reading. This is awkward. It was always just like, well, why do I need to read? you know I don't have anything to read yeah don't care and then once she started it was like oh wow she realized she could read what radio station I was putting on or she could read you know what text messages people were sending me or she realized she could read and then once it's like once it caught on it was really interesting to her and she wanted to read so it's like I think like you know it just all kind of kind of comes back to like anarchism in general as a philosophy of like people will do good things and do the right things in most cases on their own time schedule when it benefits them or when they can find a reason to do it you know they're not going to just do it hypothetically for no reason unless you know they have like the outside authoritarian
0: pressure well no that's it self-interest is a great motivator and the state is a poor motivator you know you're always going to get worse results being forced to do something that you wouldn't do otherwise so Mm,
1: amen Yes. so True.
0: Okay, Brittany. So, where can people find you if they're interested in um, your businesses or anything like that, like social media, any of your websites?
1: Um. So you can find me on Facebook, Brandy J. Gold. That's a good way to get in contact with me, and I can kind of like point you in the directions of the things. Um. Otherwise, if you're interested in like learning more about sort of what I do at Up School. Um, you can find me at the Upschool Children's Cooperative on Facebook and on Instagram, I'm Upschool Tampa Bay, um, cause I live in Tampa, Florida.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm uh, stuck in Ohio. I'm so sorry, <laughs> honestly. Like, people I tell me that
1: every day. They're like, oh, wow, like, what does it like to live in Florida? I'm like, honestly, it's amazing. Like, I don't put too much yeah. stock in politics, but DeSantis has, you know, kind of come through for us. I don't know. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. it's I been was, okay down actually- here. I have actually... I was born in Fort Lauderdale and lived in Florida and now we live in Ohio. So just, that's, that's a really, that's a pretty good Apparently, downgrade. Apparently I hate uh. myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, it does sound yeah. pretty, pretty bleak.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's not fair. I actually love the Midwest. I lived in Michigan for
0: a year-ish. Um, I just when hate the weather, but I, yeah, I hate the weather, but yeah, I, I like the Midwest otherwise, but you know, that's like six yeah. months of the year. So I guess I hate myself half the time, whatever. <laughs>
1: For six months months is okay living here. But other than that, I hate. Uh, Yeah, so you can find me there. And then um, my website for my health and nutrition coaching is getfoodtherapy.com. That's super easy to remember. And that's it. Okay,
0: awesome. Thank you so much, Brittany. Um, Again, guys, thanks for joining me on this episode of Gingerarchy. Um, And uh, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. And I will end this the way I end every episode. And I will say, fuck the state. Have a good one. (laughs) All right. We'll edit that. (laughs) Okay, cool. Uh, Okay, cool. Oh, Brittany, this was so much fun. Thank you so much.
1: So fun. Yes. You're wonderful and amazing. And I'm so Uh flattered that
0: you wanted to talk to me. Oh, it it was really cool. I actually had quite a few people like interested in uh, peaceful parenting. So, and this will go up on like my regular show. So I'll just share the link with you and I'll put some of um, your bio stuff in the show notes. Sweet. All right. I'm going to feed this child now. <laughs> <laughs> you better
1: do that. All right.
0: All right. Have a good night.